A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet, and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT 2.0. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT 2.0, but also baby, as well as pay-per-views and premium live events. We have interviews. Roundtable discussions and a round of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamflet and Sidgwick to review NXT. Oh, a lot of wrestling on this show, Hamflet. Uh, but I've got to say, I enjoyed three major parts of it. Uh, I'm glad you did. I chose when I was younger, subconsciously chose, I guess, this emulated sport over most real sports. Because the beauty of an emulated sport is, is that you can give you what you want. We've Your guy gets to win. Your guy gets to win. It's my ultimate take on like, all of this. Your c- guy gets to win. They can craft the feeling of the late winner, and they can just do it every week. They can they can make this happen by choice, and you get to engage in that, and you get to indulge in that, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, Real sport came good for me at the weekend, and it never does. So I returned to the emulated sport that I've chosen and got zero of that. Like, this was the opposite of thrills, the, like, antithesis of the idea that it's creating things that I want to see. There are so many useless, feckless baby faces on this show. There is so many, like, lame, bad characterizations, rubbish stories. It's even headed towards an in-your-house, the kind of thing that, in the middle of the pandemic, was the emulation of the real spot. Oh, that feeling that I sometimes get from real spot. I've got it for a logo, for the reveal of a logo, like, I just need something. And they've created something. They've built in-house and they've brought in Todd Pettengill. And it's like, thanks. Thanks for emulating the thing. Thanks for giving me the feeling. Like, every story had it was this, this premium live event, whatever they're going to call in your house, is rubbish. Like, the good guys are, like, idiots. The main event segment on this was, Smart. like, humiliating. Oh. I found it, like, I found the performances of Ron Breaker and Joe Gacy specifically humiliating for them. Like, I can't imagine what it must feel like to ask to go into work and be these people. Honestly, like, not a single bit of analysis on the storylines because I just cannot imagine what it must be like to be a real-life person working here at the moment. This was a terrible episode of a terrible TV programme, and yes, I have to echo Hamlet. Like, the one feeling I got was just vicarious humiliation on behalf of some of these talents, and I actually was humiliated on behalf of two <laughs> different talents and not Breaker and... Or in addition to Breaker and Gacy. 
Well, let's dive straight into it, mainly because it opened with the uh, star of the show, basically. It was Tony D. It opened <laughs> with Tony D. Stacks in two dimes. I've already forgotten their real names again. Uh, Troy Donovan. Yeah. And, Channing. Uh, Channing Lorenzo. Regardless. Channing. Tony say It's like a wasp. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a new Hampshire wasp who's also a grotesque Italian-American stereotype. <laughs> So, uh, Channing Lorenzo. <laughs> so, Tony's uh, hyping his boys up ahead of their uh, showdown to prove who the real gangsters of NXT are. And he says, uh, You guys ready, huh? Let's take care of business tonight, huh? Just like we talked. Nice and easy. Legados, he addresses the camera. You thought last week was cute, huh? You couldn't handle things like men. This is basically the promo that I cut yesterday. Yeah, I know. You couldn't handle things like men. What are you, some kind of bitch? No, uh... <laughs> and Santos, you had to sucker punch me with a pair of brass knucks? Salute, Santos. But this ain't over. <laughs> Not by a long shot. So tonight, you guys better be playing close, close attention. Because what Stacks and Two Dimes does to these two stoonards is not only, isn't only gonna be a taste of what we're gonna do next time we see you. The one, the one that goes, yeah, boss, it's time to get, take care of business. <laughs> <laughs> the other one goes, yeah, Idris and Malik, tonight you're going to get your faces smashed in. <laughs> and they head off, and then Santos Escobar is directly behind them, looking very pleased with himself, and he pops his shades on. I thought this was a fantastic opening, Sage. Well, I was saying in the office, because we're nerdy enough to talk about this when we're not recording, as we often say, that the best thing about like an episodic wrestling TV show is when the first match Bangs, clicks, sets the tone. That's why you have the opening dynamite banger. The version of that for you, Willborn, is a Tony D promo. It's a tone <laughs> setter. It fires you up. Yeah. It gets you in the mood. It unglues you. It gets you lost in the in the stories. I would prefer to have like Pack versus Buddy Matthews. This is a little tease. each to their own. Yeah, <laughs> God, but we're not getting that. It should be getting that. Very little to add. You know. Um, Cruella Deville's henchman in 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> That's who Stacks and Two Dimes are. If there were Italian stereotypes instead of like Cockney Baraboy stereotypes, skin <laughs> <laughs> out dogs. So <laughs> it is. Collect me up 101 dogs. Keep one for yourself. <laughs> Stick a few off the top. Eh? NXT <laughs> NXT's all about taking spots. <laughs> I'm going to take 101 of them off dogs. So then it was time for uh, Stacks and Two Dimes to take on. Our favourites, Idris Anofi and Malik Blade. Um, Idris goes after him right at the bell. Um, but uh, Two Dimes comes in. Uh, he gets a double shot. They hit a double shoulder block, him and Stax. Uh, as uh, he bounces off the ropes, they get a... T oh, no, just a one count off that. In comes M Malik Blade, and they do a double suplex on Stax. Uh, some tandem, tandem offense that ends with a sort of 6-1-9 in the corner. Uh, we see Legado, including Santos Escobar, watching backstage, and then he announces, it's time for us to head to the ring. Uh, Blade, Malik Blade gets the hot tag. Um, he goes to springboard into the ring, slips somewhat, but it's covered. You know, they sort of try and make up for that, and, you know, mis mistakes happen. For no reason. Um, <laughs> the heels feed for him still, regardless. Um, Blade gets a few near falls, goes to tag in a no-fay, but he gets pulled off the apron before they can make the tag. Uh, Blade gets cut off. In comes Legado del Fantasma, um, and uh, Blade, despite this distraction, uh, gets hit with stereo kicks from uh, Stax and Two Dimes, and he gets covered by Two Dimes for the one, two, three, and uh, 
Tony immediately dives into the ring with his boys and uh, offers them out, and they rush the ring. This big brawl kicks off. What do you think of all this? What did you make of the debut of Stacks and Two Dimes? Well, I thought this was like Milk Toast Butlin's wrestling with a couple of botches and unsatisfying finishes and characters. I don't know who does what. Like this Tony D'Angelo group, ostensibly the babyfaces in this feud, but then were made heels in this match, kind of, in this opener with like Anofi and Blade, who have been presented as like quite funny characters backstage, people that you're supposed to get behind, like like unlucky losers to an extent, but like had a good showing in the tournament. Like they just want to have sex backstage. Doesn't everybody in two point? Yeah. Like, doesn't everyone just yeah. want to have sex? Don't you uh, have sex? <laughs> Watch <laughs> the show. There was a point. I, I don't really listen to commentary a lot on this show, obviously, because it's just shouting or like you say. But there was definitely a point in this show, and I can't remember exactly when it was. I assume it was when Fallon Henley was wrestling, where <laughs> Wade was just like, just to remind everyone. One of jo- Boris Johnson and John Bronson is definitely still a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I don't think I needed to be said, but okay. I just, I just I thought it was really impossible to feel anything for these. And the way that they... So the way they've arrived at this match is that Stax and Two Dimes are supposed to be the... This is like a tune-up for those two, you know? like and yeah. it's The experienced tag team, like knocking off one of the jobber teams ahead of the big, ahead of the big six-man, the, the PLE. No, that's re- you can tell me all that's supposed to be happening, but none of it's actually happening in front of me. Yeah. Like these, like some debutantes taking on some fairly inexperienced guys. The chemistry was off. The quality of the work was nowhere near exciting enough for you to like feel anything for any of them. I just, I, I really hated this. You know, I hated it. I, I hated, I hated all of the things this was attempting to be when it was failing at all of them. And I've got little faith in the the quality of the six months. I, I hate this feud. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. Nothing organic exists in NXT 2.0 and there are two wildly divergent examples of that take on this specific show. We'll get to the other one later, but nothing organic happens on this show whatsoever. We talk a lot about the playbook, Triple H's playbook that he told the world about in 2014 and we know Um, from experiencing from the outside the WWE system for as many years as we all have, the listeners have, that it's all very patterned. You have to do things WWE's way. Um, You don't sort of have this organic experience of getting over in front of different crowds and sort of being booked in a place where it's not the most fashionable wrestling place. Um, Not many people are there. But by hook or by crook, you learn how to get the audience on side and get them into your story and get them into your character. And it's this process that works because when you see it in AEW, you can get someone like Wheeler Yuta, who's just great at what he does because he's got the experience and he's built it and he can then apply it in front of a lot of people, more people than he usually wrestles in front of. I'm carefully watching this match in the faces of um, Stacks and Two Dimes and... I'm seeing literally nothing. Vacant, robotic wrestling. No emoting whatsoever. Not the worst wrestling you've ever seen. And there was one genuine um, flare spot from Enofi. That was really impressive mm. on an athletic level. That was literally the only thing I got from this, other than two people are in a, uh, four people are in a glorified warehouse being told the mechanics of how to work a simulation of an athletic fight. Stacks and two dimes. It was just, this was so rushed. There was no emotion to it whatsoever. They were just doing the things they were told to do in the order in which they were told to do it. And there was no audience interaction. 
There was no tone established. There was no kind of struggle. There was no facial expressions. There was no registering of what they had done to make fans care about it. This was nothing robot wrestling, and I felt literally nothing for it, other than, other than that one flourish mm. from Anofi. Like, I know this will seem like we're going long on a fairly irrelevant match, but you can apply this to, I would say, 90% of the matches on 2.0, so consider this as a criticism of most things we see every week on this. They don't think, when they present these matches on a TV show, they don't think about the context of it. I will, I love um, WWE's previous Flying the Wall series on, like, you know, learning the ropes and that sort of thing, breaking ground on the network, the old tough enough, all that sort of stuff. Good snap. Like, <laughs> when you see them doing one of those matches where some of them stand on the apron, they work tags, there's in front of like a camera, you know, they've just done promo class or whatever. And then afterwards, you get the, f- um, the talking heads with the wrestlers on how they think it went, or you see them interacting with Al Snow or Steve Austin or whoever it is. Like, you were watching that within the context of a training show and you were watching somebody's development. It might even not be real. It might be one of them sort of like, mm. you know, like hyper real sort of things. But it's okay because you've maybe invested in this character on this week's episode and then you learn it. Oh, can you do the snapmare? And then you get like 20 minutes of, oh, he's, he's failed this one, he's rolled his shoulder, and then the match, he does a snap mount, and the coach is dead impressed, or whatever. I, that's not the context with which I tune into this wrestling show. Yeah. I'm supposed to be engaged in the fictional universe. Yeah. And they present so many of these matches where in order to give it a pass, or you read that, these terrible, like, I'm not digging out any one individual, like, writer on the internet or anything, as I wouldn't want somebody to dig out me. But you read these terrible recaps of these shows where it's like, uh, yeah, like, good, like, match was nothing, I didn't fail anything for it, but, like, great to see the progression. That's not what you tune into the fictional wrestling show for. Like, if, the, if you're watching this exhibition on Breaking Ground, and you're like, good week, good week for the lads on Breaking Ground. Like, they'll do this again next week, and then maybe then they'll graduate to the Largo Loop. You know, not on, not when you tune in, it's supposed to be like, and now get ready for the six man. It's just mm. like you're viewing it through the complete wrong lens, and this happens all the time on 2.0. It's, it's that lack of emotion and tone, as Sidgwick says there. They don't want to establish a tone, because if they did, it would kind of pull the rug out from underneath all the wrestlers. You'd be like, well, they can't establish a tone because they're working a training match. Mm. And they can't because they're not qualified. And they can't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, no doubt this will be a point we'll come back to throughout this. Uh, we get Wesley getting interviewed by McKenzie backstage. His ribs are all taped up after Von Wagner's attack last week. Uh, thankfully, no damage done to his heart. Um, <laughs> she talks about him getting angry and setting up the match he's about to have with Sanger last week. And he says, look, I was running on pure adrenaline at the time, but I still don't think I was wrong in what I said. I thought it was disrespectful what he said. And she says, well, I don't think Sanger meant any disrespect by it. And he says, I know, but I need to prove myself to guys like Sanger and especially to myself that I can do this. And then we got the match, Sanger versus Wesley, which was, uh, I've written down here, a sort of watered-down version of The Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy. Um, In this plucky young upstart against this massive bloke who's just going to manhandle him and beat him, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Sanger dominates early on, headbutts him, splashes him, um, and uh, Lee eventually managed to get some space and uh, kick him out to the floor. He does this sort of slingshot stomp, and that still doesn't put uh, it doesn't put Sanger down. He tries a running drop kick to send him into the steps, uh, but Sanger chops him down. And uh, as Lee comes off the top, Sanger takes him out and hits him with a choke slam. One, two, three. But as Sanger goes to leave, there's Zion Quinn, who's had his own issues with Wesley, comes in presumably to attack Wesley. But Sanger runs back in, protects him, and embraces Lee because he's earned his respect. How can you earn Sanger's Did good respect? Kid. How can you earn <laughs> Sanger's respect? Like seriously, this is a genuine. How can you earn his respect? What's he done? The idea of uh, you've earned my respect. 
it's like the old Undertaker thing where he's like shaking hands with John Cena and you're my respect here. You have to have respect to earn respect. I'm getting a bit brass eye here, <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> but you have to be a respectable authority, a locker figure. room leader. Yeah, locker room leader. Hey, don't do that to that kid. You gotta have my respect. <laughs> it's like you're a green giant. That's what you are. You don't. It's just terrible. Absolutely terrible storytelling. I've long since had the correct take. <laughs> the way WWE does things, right, is that there's just no tier between, like, the main eventers and, like, the rookie upstarts, which is what works so well in, yes, AEW, which I'm going to bury later on today, so don't accuse me of being biased, <laughs> which is how he gets something as wonderful as uh, Wheeler Yuta joining the Blackpool Combat Club, right? What a wonderful, magical development all of that is. How can this type of storytelling work in NXT where now that Champa is gone and Gargano's gone and Kyle O'Reilly's gone and Roderick Strong's wants to go. You can't tell the story of kids in my respect. I'm also a kind of a kid. <laughs> it's, like, you know, it's stupid. Well, six for ten kids. So <laughs> yeah. It's automatically better. It's just absolutely stupid. Stupid television. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. But um to be a bit not to be kinder to them. Wesley's got like years of experience yeah, on Sanger. Like it's it's so fundamentally flawed the idea of how they brought these together. I don't mind as a creative solution to unexpected problems of they've already buried a giant and Wesley's not got a partner anymore. Trying these two out as a team, I think I quite like that. Yeah, like I, I wasn't Wesley was all right, but I wasn't seeing so much in his singles matches thus far that I was like, oh yes. Like Wesley is going to be fine on his own. He's given the belt. He's amazing. He's had he's had this thing happen to him, and now he's got to start again as a singles wrestler. I, I quite like a bit of a sucker for big man, little man teams. Like, yeah. this might be. All, it's certainly going to be better for Sanger than it is for Wesley, mm. like because he was going absolutely nowhere. And as Cedric points out, it's it's kind of like it is flawed in the extreme that just because he's the tall guy, like, hey, that's a bad kid. Like he could, he could be probably you know, could be like fifteen years apart in age as yeah. well. Sanga taping up his wrists, yeah. To Zion <laughs> Quinn backstage. I like that bit where where John Cena was like, uh, "You're a bit of a rookie around here," and Kevin Owens was like, I'm "Not fucking rookie." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought it was a bit preposterous that he earned his respect. Did good kid, ruffle hair. He's gonna do a high spot off Sanga's shoulders, yeah. and it's gonna be pretty. Yeah, cool. it's gonna be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Cora Jade's backstage with Roxanne Perez. She's got her semi-final, the breakout tournament to come, uh, and she's you know she's psyching her up for it all. Uh, talks about when they were back wrestling in Austin, and there was a bully, and they that person chucked all their stuff out of the locker room, and then Perez wrestled them later on. And Cora Jade twatted them with a skateboard afterwards, uh, and Cora Jade seems to suggest maybe I'll interfere in your match because I'm going to see sitting ringside for it later on. WWE. And again, just don't come to me when we get to the actual bit, because I'm going to just say it here. WWE has got this incredible knack, and absolutely, inc- I don't know how they do it, but they've got this incredible knack of, right, of babyface gets slighted, babyface does something to get back at heel for slight. I hate babyface for doing it. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how they do it. I do not know how they do this. They think, um, they think they've made, like, Cora Jade cheeky. Or charismatic or whatever, don't they? And, and the heel kind of deserves it because she was a dick last week, but I still think they hit, everyone's a dick. Yeah, everyone's a dick. That's what it is, yeah. And it's, what it comes down to who's a more, who's a more irritating dick in the end, 
And it turns out it's always it's always the goodie. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, it's always the good. Like, who am I more bothered by? After all the dust has settled, oh, I was a good guy. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> remarkable. That isn't it? Uh, sort of show long hook of uh, Bron Breaker storming about trying to get his hands on Joe Gacy and his druids. Uh, this time, someone told him that they'd seen him knocking about in the locker room, and uh, Bron Breaker flies in there and sees his championship belt hanging up and an old photo from twenty years ago of him and his dad. I think. I love the exposition here. It was genuinely tremendous. You could have just simply zoomed in, right? And I would have inferred that it was an old picture picture of Brown Breaker, right? Mm. You know why? Do you want to know why I know this? Why? Because right, I'm looking at an old picture of Brown Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> but then, because we are an idiots, we're all completely thick as... I was going to swear then. It's from 20 years ago. Well, it's not from last week. It's a dickhead. <laughs> I know when it is. I can tell. I quite like that the... Uh, this. This doesn't always work. Like, I understand why they go to the well. I do. Second generation wrestlers. But sometimes the timelines don't work out. And then sometimes dickheads like me will get on a podcast and talk about it. Because 20 years ago, which fair enough, might be, might, be, might be a shoot brother, was 2002. And 2002 was like a good three or four years past Rick Steiner's prime. And to be honest, the Steiner brothers' prime. It wasn't like he was sort of uh, working the killer calendar of the WWE in 1993. Like mm. you like that gear the other day. Like this was four years after Rick Steiner was losing a feed with Chucky in WCW. Yeah. <laughs> it was like just missed my dad. And I was like, I think your dad was home more than he was at work by then. Yeah. <laughs> also made me chuckle because all I could think of was when he was like, Why are you crying? Because none of them was you. He's looking at you. <laughs> He's looking at a picture of you. That's all I could think of. I was like, uh, Joe Gacy's got a picture of like Bron Breaker with his uh, uncle, and Vic just is like, "That was from 15 years ago." How do you know, Vic? It's because he's eating dinner at a Shawnee's. <laughs> <laughs> Dad was never home. Uh, then it was Electra Lopez against Alba Fire that Cora Jade had referenced earlier. Of course, um, Alba Fire comes out with a bat on fire. That's a thing now. This is your thing. Your bat on your fire. your goddamn thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, Jade's there watching with with popcorners. Uh, Electra Lopez targets Fire's arm, uh, which means uh, early on she can't hit that gory bomb of hers because she's got the injured arm. Um, Fire does still make a comeback, though, and it's a relatively short match, this. Eventually, uh, Alba Fire comes off the top of the Swanton. One, two, three. She pins Electra Lopez, who, uh, in the end, Joy Jacks and uh, sends the popcorn flying with Cora Jade post-match because that was all that this was really about, despite the fact that Alba Fire should be the one probably getting the most attention here. Yeah, Cora Jade was more annoying in this exchange. Yes. Isn't she? That's, I think that's not what Sidra might be leading to. She was really irritating by the end of this. Um, match was like functionally fine. It's uh, what, what what can you say about Alba Fire that we haven't spent two years saying about Kaylee Ray that makes any difference anyway? Mm. Like you're a good wrestler, so what? Like Roxanne Perez needs to look on in not fear, but just look on and think this is how it could go. You could become utility more than somebody that makes it as a star. Um, I was just thinking there when, like, obviously with a bat on fire, like if they could get the rights to Meatloaf, that could be her bat out of hell, couldn't it? Because of the flame. They're too cheap to pay for licensed music yeah. and to make people enjoy things. They're too cheap for, to pay for good themes on the main roster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it matched, too like, cheap to make good in-house themes mm, that yeah. we don't have to fork out a license. CFOS, making bollocks to the heart. <laughs> Uh, right, um, Damon Reed is backstage with uh, with Diamond Mine. I d- <sighs> I really want to temper myself in saying this because it comes across as so boring, bitch. Oh, so bloody <laughs> arrogant is what I was going to say. But they're listening to the podcast, right? Because what were you talking about last week? 
Someone's shattering their ankles. What's happened to Roderick Strong? Oh, his ankle's buggered. Oh, and then there's the Kree brothers going, you need to take care of your ankles, brother. Because he's going on about whoever it is, Brutus, I think it is. Brutus does the, the cannonball. Um, so Roderick Strong has, quote, rolled his ankle. So unfortunately, their tag match tonight uh, is off. And uh, they're not happy about this, the Creed brothers. And Ivy, Ivy Nile's still there, so that's good to know. She's still part of Diamond Mind. She sort of went off on her own for a bit doing <laughs> those weird challenges. And they went, yeah, no, don't forget about that. She's still part of Diamond Mind. Um, and Julius says, well, yeah, Roddy's ankle better be hold, uh, hanging on by a thread. Because, uh, you know, in Diamond Mind, you just strap it up and you just keep going. Don't, don't let injury hold you back. And uh, they say, yeah, it's the Diamond Mind way. And uh, to be fair to him... Uh, did I call him Damon Reader? Damon Kemp. Damon uh, Kemp. Kemp. Yes. Uh, Dave, to be fair to him, Damon Kemp just goes, I'm just the messenger, guys. I don't know why you're having to go at me. There's no diamond mind for there to be what diamond mind is all about. With that said, I want to say something nice for once about this TV show. I think they've really got something in Julius Creed. I think he's the Bron Breaker. He's, uh, he's a real Bron Breaker. Mm. Uh, Bron Breaker's better than the ring. He's got a great spear, but he's knackered. He's, they like him too much is the issue, and they want him to be what they want him to be desperately, and that's obviously going to break him, just like it breaks everybody else. But if they don't do this with Julius Creed, and he can just quietly get over in the background, away from the suffocating, this is what you have to do, I think they've got something in him. He can actually deliver bollocks quite well. He's a better in the ring. He's got that sort of height and the look that they're after. Like, I think he's the guy who they can actually do something with. A bit like when they went with Orton and, and Batista and Evolution, they're like, here's the guy. And then they ruined him so fast. They were like, we've got another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strong as well, uh, to be fair to Roderick Strong, has, and not just in his capacity as like an NXT original, but just a guy that still has it in him to have these really, really electrifying matches from time to time. has been quite good at being the elevation guy in this 2.0 era. So the prospect of whether it be Strong and Kemp versus the Creeds or Strong and the Creeds are falling apart, so Strong ends up finding a partner and... That becomes a tag match. That'll probably go well for the Creeds as well. Those matches will rule. Yeah. Like those are things that like a rarity on this show. That's the thing I want to watch. Mm. Like they have so few pairings that you can think of. So few things that you can fantasy book of people you really genuinely want to see face each other. That's one. Roderick Strong and X versus the Creeds is something that they're actually working towards mm. as well. That you uh, down the line want to watch. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. We go backstage uh, and Mackenzie Mitchell reveals that, uh, unfortunately, Nikita Lyons has suffered an injury. She is out of the breakout tournament and Fallon Henley will receive a bye to the final. Um, And one of Boris Johnson and Bron Johnson say, well, you know, it sounds awful, but, uh, you know, these things happen. Freak accidents do occur. Sometimes accidents happen on purpose. And he holds up the guy who jacks its arm, basically. Um, But then in, in comes... The star, the star of the show, Terministra. She says, "Oh God, Fallon, are you just gonna stand there and take the easy road to the finals?" <laughs> uh, that was a rhetorical question. Of course you are, Fallon, because I know who you really are. Uh, this nice little country girl act might have everyone fooled, including country dumb and country dumber, but it doesn't have Mephel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't earn your spot in the finals, and finally fires back, and I dare you say something like that. And then she says the line, Yeehaw, bitch, I'll come right back at you. And I was like, well, this just got interesting, and they are going to have a match. Um, uh, Stran will take Nikita Lyons' spot, and they're going to have the semi-final match still later on. Yeah, it's just as well that that line delivery was pretty cool, because my immediate thought of, what's her name, Fallon Henley? Yes. Was uh, everything Tiffany Stratton said she was. Mm-hmm. The first thing any baby face should do, right, when something like this happens, says, like, come on, I'm not advancing in that way. Absolutely not. Give me somebody else. It's the right, honorable thing to do. I'm a baby face. And I've said this tape before. The mega fans will forgive me. This company is so institutionally toxic, rotten, unlikable, that they have long since like lost any comprehension of what is a good value, which is not ideal considering <laughs> the function. <laughs> the function of this company is to prevent, uh, to present heroic baby faces in front of the public who they can cheer for and buy tickets for and all the rest of it. Yeah, it, this was proper zoom out and look at the process stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. A heel has gone down injured and the baby face is ready to accept a bye until a heel talks him at the match and then you get that gut feeling that you know where this is going as well. So not only does the baby face, theoretically, backed out from taking on a new challenger with the bye. Yeah, had Stratton not been there, she would have walked into the... Yeah, that's it. It's taken like the kind of contrived interruption to keep her in the tournament. And then from the moment this promo takes place, she's pretty sure where it's going as well. So it's like... Well, when the inevitable result occurs, what can we possibly think of this baby face? <laughs> a, tried to take the shortcut, and then B, failed when she had to take the long cut. Like, it just, it, it, it's, but you kind of, again, as Cedric points out, all you do is thinking of the reality behind this, not person gets injured, 
Think like a wrestling company instead of like <laughs> instead of like whatever WWE is at this point. Think of what the good guy would do and not what y- all of you people do because you're all bad guys. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what Goody does, but yeah. Uh, speaking of the breakout tournament, we got the other semi-final here. It was Lash Legend against uh, Roxanne Perez. Uh, and the story of this match was uh, Lash Legend dominated, was in control, was was outpowering Roxanne for, for a large part of it. Uh, but Perez was a plucky underdog. And uh, I think Legend goes for a powerbomb and Perez counters with a code red, which they're calling Pop Rocks uh, for the one, two, three. She can't believe it. Roxanne Perez has made it to the final. She is presumably going to win the whole thing, one would assume. Uh, oh, but it's, it's an interesting final, at least with who we, well, we could talk about that in a little bit. But uh, what do you think, make of the story that they told here, Sige? Can I be fair? Because I'm going to be. Con- right. Don't watch this ever again. If you've not, if you watched it once, don't watch it ever again. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, now just listen to this podcast just to keep up to date, don't watch it. But if you were going to make the decision, or you have, recall the difference between this match and the opener and watch how Roxanne Perez, who actually knows how to get over because she was once contracted to a company that sort of encourages it on their own terms of the talent, she makes noise. She interacts with the crowd. She conveys the struggle. She conveys that she's in a fight. She conveys her character. She's got spirit. She's outmatched physically, but that's not going to stop her from really giving it the college try. Like, she knows what she's doing, and she's pretty damn good at it, great at it already. And she's working Lash Legend, which makes it all the more impressive. Like, what's the difference between Roxanne Perez and, what, 96% of this roster? She has prior experience in a system that isn't broken. Hence why you get... Genuine over-deliveries like this match, without being great, obviously, or even very good. But on an individual performance level, like, Roxanne Pereira is great. And it's mm. a pretty good reason why. Second time in this tournament she's done this as well. Because the story of Roxanne Perez's television matches thus far is that she gets battered a lot. But that's the story. That's and she can sell, so why wouldn't she? Exactly, yeah. I'm speaking as somebody invested in the character that takes a beating and then kind of makes the comeback. And she's got all the, the technical ability to win... Uh, what I've been led to believe is a competitive match over five minutes or whatever. But the real story is the development of the people she's defeating because she's given them loads. She's given them an opportunity to, to shine and to look great on television and to look credible in a way that like Lash Legend never really has. You know, she gets to look at, and this is not the only time that Roxanne Perez has done this, so she's already making herself a common denominator in that regard. But the first thing you are focusing on is the story. So Lash Legend is still having that breaking ground tough enough match. Right, it's like, ah, oh, right, tonight you've got to go and get this in, you've got to go and get this in. But luckily she's in there with somebody that actually casts a spell on you as a <laughs> pro wrestler. So the formulas, like this match kind of proves that the formula can still work. You can still do the training ground match on television as long as you've got one wrestler in there that is just able to take you away from that a second. You cannot put four in there in the opener that are all the trainees at the same time, and there's way too many of them on the mm. show now. So there's so, few, there's so few cases on any given NXT that's going to have something like this. Yeah, Roxanne Perez has got, I mean... Shot has got a great deal of potential in NXT 2.0, but like you say, she had that before she came to WWE, yes. but it's mm. nice to see them actually recognising that at it's, least. It's worth, I suppose, from their point of view, at least their... If, they, if all they wanted the NXT old guard for was to put a couple of people over on the way out and then get the fuck off screen, like at least now they're signing people that have got the old guard's experience. Like, it's maybe not the worst thing if they can pluck maybe two or three more of someone like a Roxanne Perez mm. to be what Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly and whoever else just thought... I'm not being this. I'm absolutely yeah. not being this. There are others out there that can fulfill this role. 
Uh, Mandy and Toxic Attraction are walking backstage, and Mandy's cutting this promo before her match with the Hartwell, saying, uh, Indy calling me out was the uh, worst decision of your career, and they uh, tried to mock her for you know losing her tag partner and her life partner. When in comes Caden Carter and, so you're telling me there's a chance, Katana Chance uh, to brawl with Gigi Dolene and JC Jane. And Mandy Rose is like, well, I'm not getting involved with this. I've got a match to do. So she gets out of there, goes out for her match uh, against Indy Hartwell, um, dominates early on and trash talks Indy Hartwell while she's doing it as well. And uh, Hartwell manages to knock her to the floor to take us to a break. When we come back, uh, we see that Rose has grabbed Indy Hartwell, pulled her by the hair to take control again. She's working her over. Hartwell makes a comeback a second time, uh, gets some near falls off of it. But in the midst of all this, out comes Gigi Dolene and JC Jane. Uh, they're still brawling with uh, Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Uh, and they brawl to ringside. And uh, it's all very distracting. And uh, JC Jane and Katana Chance end up fighting in the ring. Chance gets thrown out. Jane turns around into a high kick from Hartwell. She gets her out of there. She's like, finally, I can concentrate on my match. Turns around, running knee from Mandy Rose. One, two, three. And post-match, uh, the four women who've been brawling previously continue brawling. Just just keep going out of the, uh, out of the studio or whatever it may be. And... Mandy Rose, celebrating on the ramp, turns around to be attacked by Wendy Chu, who dumps her balls on her. She dumps a big bag of balls right on Mandy Rose's face. Uh, what did you make of all this? Uh, no good. No good. Um, Wendy Chu, the prop comic, continues to be... Great. Um, Sorry? Absurd. Like, a nonsense move from there. Like, and here's me, that like, like the original nonsense character, by the way. Like, I like the, the, uh, the charming idea behind somebody that would just rather go to sleep than wrestle and is trying to, like, put her hands together in the middle of a match. That's been abandoned by somebody that, like, she's not that character anymore. She brings soft play props to a wrestling mm. show. She's that. I don't know who that person is. I think Indy Hartwell is going to turn heel off the back of this. So the rationale, I think she's going to turn on Wendy Chu and cost her the win against Mandy Rose. Yes. With the rationale being she's got absolutely all left to do because, like, her husband's gone, her friends have gone. Um, you know, she, nothing that was once here in NXT for is there anymore. She's just lost as a baby face and had absolutely nobody out to save her. Wendy Chu was waited, not for when the brawl's going on, not for when Indy Hartwell's potentially going to be overwhelmed by all this, but for after the fact to do the big balls trick. Like, couldn't she have been there for a no, because she's a lame duck baby face. So I sense the heel turn is coming to save Indy Hartwell. If it's not, she is absolutely finished on this show. <laughs> This is the other side of the coin of NXT's emotion problem that I was um, talking about in the intro in which there was no emotion whatsoever, no attempt to do any emotion. In this match, the emotion was so forced and kind of histrionic. It's the idea. We, uh, we joked about it on the preview yesterday, but like, I can't take Indy Hartwell. Like, I'm going for singles gold because I'm going to be a wrestler and I've been slighted by toxic attraction. It's like you were literally cocked after for like, the last year of your life. It's <laughs> all you gave a toss about. So didn't even like she the likes part cack like, when he likes balls. It didn't even like the part of that she'd been sacked, that, like morning. Yeah, they were arguing over cock. Yeah, mm. and now to do that rapid tonal shift from I'm not gonna have to. I'm gonna wrestle because I kind of have to. It's my job. But at the same time, my character is I'm in love. I'm getting married. I'm getting absolutely drilled raw by a 9.5 inch kiak. They even said <laughs> at length on television. And then she's gonna argue about who gets drilled the best. <laughs> and now she's really doing the NXT match and it's all or nothing and I'm really acting. It's like, piss off. It's the stupidest, stupid company. 
I just don't know, Sandy. Uh, you know, we had the, the tomato business that went pretty well. Uh, we got the we had the goo shop, and uh, that kept the head above water for a good few <laughs> months. But uh, I think I think it's time to shut up shop. Uh, I, I I wasted our last paycheck on these on these balls, and no one's buying these goddamn balls. And uh, I think you know the creditors are at the door, and uh, we're gonna have to sell it. Cling. Hey, pal, you got any balls for me to buy? I want to dump it on my champ's face. Back in the game, baby. I had no idea the Floridian gift shop owner was Italian-American. Yeah, he's drifted <laughs> into Italian-American. I'll give him that, yeah. Secret. Is he try, is the, the, lore, the lore of this guy. What is Shen to Sandy, everyone else? He's a respectable gentleman. Got these guys across a pond. We're talking about me on a podcast since early 2020. Oh, honestly, that, I, that, I thought we were finished. I care more about the law of that than anything to do with the food. <laughs> the law of the shop owners who sell tomatoes, goo, and now what? A metal bucket of green goo. Who's going to want that? I got a guy. <laughs> they are literally Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, just buying <laughs> these magic beans and going, Jackpot. Brom Breaker's backstage. He says Joe Gacy's mind games aren't going to throw him off his game. Uh, and then they show a clip of him running it. Run a TD from the pocket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from the pocket. <laughs> but uh, he says that his dad couldn't make that game because he was in Japan. True or false? False. Okay. Um, he, was, he, was in, he was in Orlando, Florida at the Impact Zone at best. Uh, and uh, he says, and Mackenzie says, oh, you all right? And he goes, yeah, it's fine. Not really uh, then it's over to the uh, tag champs. Yes, boy! Yes, boy! Yes, boy! Uh, and they uh, put themselves over and say, Creed's don't bloody stand a chance, basically, in your house. Cool. Yeah. Move I on. like them. I really like them cutting promos. Preview, preview, preview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we realised this yesterday. We've already talked about half of this stuff. Uh, then it was time. Yes, boy! For Tevin Strand to be in action <laughs> against Fallon Henley. Um. So, yeah, uh, early on, Stratton takes her down, hits her with some elbows. Uh, she gets like a slingshot swanton thing. And that gets her a two count. Um, she's targeting the leg for, for Fallon Henley. Um, bridges into, does like a, a sort of Charlotte Flair-esque bridge, blowing kisses to rile up the audience. She said interact with them. Um, Henley makes a comeback. Still, she's selling the leg, though, and uh, she goes to, to really uh, finish her off. Her knee buckles and, and flips all the way across the ring and elbows and all this. And then uh, eventually drop kicks her and uh, does that sort of corkscrew Vader bomb splash thing. One, two, three. Tiffany Stratton advances to the final to face Roxanne Perez. What do you make of Tiffany Stratton's development, by the way? What? Just as a character? Because there's been zero. I, th I just thought I thought well, like she was in ring. In ring, yeah. I, I, to be honest. Good snap. She, good snap. Good snap. I think she's, this. it's really, really tough to see anybody breaking through from this current crop. But I think she's been one of the better ones since pretty much since she debuted. Every character stands to, like every daft vignette character stands to undermine what the wrestlers can do. Mm. And as a result, you sometimes watch this thing under this haze of everyone's a cartoon. Everyone is a sex-crazed cartoon. And yet, pretty much from the off, Tiffany Stratton's had something. You've been able to see within yeah. the matches that she's had something. I don't know if it's like the athletic background that mm -hmm. again is overwhelmed by that is like money that she can just spend on other things instead. But yeah, I, I honestly Tiffany Stratton, she's developing well, but I think that's almost like I don't know if I'm being condescending there because I feel like there's been plenty from the beginning, and if anything, the character is kind of overwhelmed that she's half decent out there. Yeah, like I, I, I didn't think this match this match was far from some of the disasters we've had on NXT 2.0. 
But I think Tiffany Stratton's had a few of them. It's just so hard to wrestle around the nonsense. Just thinking about that, because you were talking about, and you were talking about the opener, and I was thinking, I actually did, did think that, I, I really thought Tiffany Stratton, I don't know whether it's just this match I noticed in, that she's developed a lot. No, Stratton's got something. Stratton's got something. Yeah. She's obviously got that incredible athletic background. She can parlay that into a match. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, she can, George Jack, she can sort of act with a face in a way that's in character. Like, she's genuinely one of the most impressive prospects in this company. And, and someone did say to her, make sure you blow kisses to the crowd about 20 times. Yeah, the but still. at the same time, when she gets, like, rocked with a forearm, she can be like, how dare you do that to this face? And there's a yeah. Rick Martel vibe to it. Um, yeah, she's not bad at all. Like, not bad at all. And she is getting better, in contrast to the vast majority of this roster. And um, this match, which I will never remember in a million years, tomorrow... That had a bit of fire to mm. it, a little bit of like they're having a fight. Yeah, it's flips. You don't flip in a fight, but they're having a wrestling <laughs> fight. Yeah, I just, I just really piqued my interest in this match um, beyond just doing the silly voice. Mm. Uh, Mackenzie's backstage with Caden uh, and uh, Katana, so they finally stop fighting with the tag champs, uh, and they say everyone needs to stop mistaking our kindness with weakness. Uh, I thought they were off partying all this time. Apparently, they were doing nice stuff. Apparently, or something. Anyway, Has uh, it ever paid off what they did when, like, Broggs and Johnson were like, look at that. No, 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 no. it went on forever as well, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Basically, I think the idea was use these women to showcase how useless Bill Buchanan's son is at getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> and then he can have the arc with Fallon Henry. Yeah. yeah. Henley? Henley, Henley, yeah. Maybe she just transformed into Kachana Chance in front of their very eyes. And they were just like, what the hell? That seemed easy to change characters immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, they said that Toxic Attraction keep dodging them, so they took it to them, uh, and if they want to do anything about it, they can face them in your house. And Wendy Chu says, yeah, do like when I put my balls on many rolls of face, I'll face you in your house too. I can't talk about the ball segment without putting that voice on, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what an asshole. Thea Hale, uh, this, uh, oh God, 18-year-old, I think, uh, is you know, going to work in the performance center while she goes to college. And I was like, why are they doing this again? Right up until the point when she went, next week, I'm going to tell you which college I'm going to. She's going to chase you, isn't she? She sure And is. she's going to get a sensational education there. What a decision. Yeah. I love this. It's, uh, like, it's, it's not bad. It's earnestly not bad. If you're going to create such ludicrous caricatures as this show does, at least try and make them make sense within this world. And Chase University, having Bodie Haywood, and ha- now, you know, potentially having, like, other students. Sorry? Right? Yeah, well, anyone that, anyone that like, gets folded into the daft world that at least makes the character make sense, and then that's how you overlap these storylines. That's how you overlap your characters. That's how people can realistically interact, which is this angle we were praising just a couple of weeks ago because you do it with Chase U. It's faint praise, I know, but I just, like... It's, I think writing it, fundamentals. Yeah, it's writing fundamentals as well. It is. It's a bit, a bit um, Wade Barrett there as well. Doing the two fundamentals again, but as as uh, Wade. Well, I'm, I can't do that now because I can't do one accent, let alone <laughs> blend two. <laughs> writing fundamentals. I've <laughs> <laughs> got some good fighting fundamentals. Uh, we'll come come to Wade in a bit. By the way, uh, Bronze backstage. Duke Bloody Hudson comes after me and says, "You know, I didn't do any of those mind games nonsense, don't you?" And he says, "Yeah, yeah, I know it wasn't you." And he says, oh, good. Uh, just remember, I'm also ready for tonight, and I don't care about any of your daddy issues. And Brom Bryson just immediately snaps and not, grabs him by the throat and holds him up against the locker. And uh, he goes, yeah, I think I think Joe Gacy might have a point about you, actually. Uh, and then we get uh, Ikem Enduro 
finally getting his hands on. Do you want to, do you want to say something? Here? Yeah, Von Wagner destroys him. I, I need a piss. It's only NXT, and if you've got a problem with that, suck my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah time for uh, Von Wagner versus Ikemen Jiro. Uh, Jiro wastes no time, rushes Wagner for what he's been doing to them in in recent weeks and months, arguably. Uh, but Von eventually, uh, well, quickly actually cuts him off and just just mauls Jiro. Uh, there's a bear hug spot, but Jiro finally starts making a comeback. Uh, springboards into a missile drop kick, runs wild. Uh, Asai moonsault, tornado DDT gets him a near fall. Uh, but it just looks like he might have the edge on Von Wagner. His jacket comes to his, uh, I don't know, makes him bugger it up mm. basically uh, because Von Wagner sort of hockey fights him, pulls it over his head, just starts laying in head headshots and body shots and what have you, pummels him and then hits, uh, I don't know, it's like an attitude adjustment, but a neck breaker or. Yeah. The, they haven't named. They haven't given him like the. the they need to give him a funny name. name. They, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and he gets the one, two, three. Maybe they could call it the heartbreaker. <laughs> um, and then Sophia Cromwell, the lady mm. that uh, <laughs> the lady. Uh, Von Wagner recently, but no, not really been explained. She appears on the entrance ramp and just points, and he continues the beatdown on Ikemenjiro. When who should run in to make the save? But Boris Johnson. Or Josh Briggs, I think is his proper name to give it. And uh, because of what's happened with him and the one who can't. He's virgin. He's a yeah. virgin. The other one, he's because that's what that Von Wagner, I forgot that Von Wagner had done it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, they are presumably set up two big guys to clash against each other. I'm like, who does Cromwell really want to have sex with? That's the subtext, isn't it? It's like, does she want to hang off the heart and length of Von Von's Wagner, <laughs> or does she want to take Josh Briggson's virginity? I don't know which I want more, genuinely, <laughs> right? Because yeah, like, that's, that's kind of uh, he. They're going to immediately transform into a, him into a ladies' man, yeah, and that's going to be hilarious to yes. watch. But also, they are awful at doing couple stuff with the best of them. Yeah, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, for example. What are they going to like? when Von Wagner has to do a romantic scene backstage with Sophia. Well, I, I don't think we're going to get that because I think they're going to go down the route of basically, and it's going to be zero to 100. So it's going to be turning Josh Briggson, i.e. has sex once next week, full-on porn star. Yeah, like, like super uh, stud. Yeah, like absolutely. There was a, I'm not going to name him, and I don't think he listens, but like around the age where everybody was having some of the first experience, one of my friends once over a pint of being like, hey, lads, I talk about when we give him a full body orgasm. <laughs> and he's beaten with the stick of that phrase for the rest of his days, right? And I just think that's what we're going to get. She's coming out of her ears. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going like, to get him when he's finally, and I think it's going to be with Sophia Cromwell. I think, I think Which that is was, astonishing that Sophia Cromwell would pick either of them when Robert Stone is stood right there. And are we going to get Ickman Jero on, get some, Von Wagner. On, some, on some emotional arc about how got to let go of the jacket because <laughs> the, the jacket has cost him victory here is that going to be because you'll note despite Von Wagner being tall and Ikemen Jiro being short that he did not earn Von Wagner's respect no. so I don't think that's the direction they're going after this defeat I think Jiro's going to lose the jacket having some might say some people might say jacket time up <laughs> <laughs> you, you would you would in your preview copy. There was also week. a bit. Well, I'll mention it here. There's Sophia was backstage with with Stone and and Vine saying you need to ruffle some feathers and. Vaughn can handle anything, and he just stood there and looked ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I really hope they do some like couple stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, it's happening. Double date. Just okay, Vaughn. And action. 
Hey, Sophia, how about some 12-ounce curls? No, no, <laughs> that was for you. <laughs> Uh, right. It's NXT, isn't it? So like, it'll be right around Halloween. They'll be like, it's Valentine's week on NXT. <laughs> yeah. I like you, Sophia. You stole my heart. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, Near the end? No, Tony D's backstage. <laughs> like takes a cycling or something. She's like, I know what happened to the last guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sign me up. Get me out of here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tony and the boys uh, are leaving. And uh, Cameron catches up with him. And he says, uh, hey, look. I ain't got time for this, all right? I know what you want to hear. Look, Stacks and Two Dimes, they picked up their first victory. Uh, but this thing with the Legados has gone too far. Huh? It needs to uh, end before it turns into a turf war. And in your house, now, Santos, he thinks he's a businessman. What about Come this on. businessman? I'm not asking, I'm demanding. One last business meeting. And as a sign of goodwill, last time you came to me, this time we'll go to you. One of them goes, hey, boy, what about what happened last time? <laughs> <laughs> what about what happened last time with AJ Galante? And I was like, oh, yeah, they do. Presumably just was like, well, guess he's dead. Um, <laughs> and he went, trust me, it's not going to go down like that, all right? I got something in my back pocket. And if need be, I'll make him an offer again reviews. Oscar worthy, this. Why did I have to have another chat? The cheeky bat. They've not got arcade anarchy at the end of this. Like they've not got they've not got the best friends payoff. Like this doesn't <laughs> none of this is justified. Like we're not getting Sue's van or whatever. Like there's no there's no nothing at the end of this. We're like, all right, yeah, twelve weeks is a bit much, but like at least at least Chris Statlander popped out of an alien grabbing machine. That was amazing. Like they made such good none of this is happening. It's gonna be a really boring bland like at some point, weeks and weeks and weeks of this, multiple sit downs, multiple toif wars. Like, someone's gonna grab a headlock or do a like leap, <laughs> leapfrog tackle drop down in the first three minutes of this. Match. I really don't. I can't, really don't think you, you two aren't seeing the. What is it? The phrase? The wood for the trees here. What do we do every week? What do we do every week on a Tuesday, boys? The huh? Tony Angelo Predictor. Exactly. And this is like a, a bumper edition. So you gotta, you gotta appreciate what you got. Sometimes you gotta take a step back and take stock. <laughs> Just gets me very excited for this next week. Preview stuff. Yeah, yeah. I say? like your stacks and two dimes impression more than your Tony one. Like they, that's they've just taken it. Hey boss, Vic Joseph's talking. I don't know uh, about in your house or something. And Mandy Rose interrupts him and tells him, "Vic, cut this." <laughs> oh no, sorry, wrong <laughs> show. Sorry. Um, uh, she says, oh, "I've had it with Wendy Chu. The thought of Wendy touching, much much less carrying this title, that makes me want to." puke over her onesie and uh, JC Jane and Gigi Dolin aren't happy either with what's happened with them and, and Caden Carr and K- K- Katana Chance and uh, they send, they're going to send the two of them rest of them back to the Umpa Lumpa land or some bollocks uh, in your house um, everyone is jealous of Toxic Attraction I'm not next week they're going to make it official and uh, they say yeah they're going to be some there's going to be some summit or something next week before the before the premium live event to set all this up um and Mandy throws it back, says, oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen, basically. Back to you, Wade. And Wade goes, bloody hell, Vic. She said my name. I've got such a big f***ing lob on right now. <laughs> <laughs> or something along those lines, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to say about this? She knows who I am. Vince did for like fucking 10 years, but uh, she does. <laughs> Uh, just at the moment she, he's like, she said my name. I was like, well, there's a bit. Uh, time to go to the barbershop. <laughs> they advertised this like, 
you know, like it's a regular segment. Like it wasn't just a one-off thing they did once. They've done it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, stick around, we're going to the barbershop, guys. Yeah. But I love Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, so I'll, I'll let it pass. Um, Melo's, uh, they're talking, and he says he needs to get that North American title back by any means necessary. It's just not the same since he lost the title. Uh, Trick says he's got a game plan and talks about Grimes being just a substitute champion, basically. And then in walks, Cameron Grimes. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's there. He's not to cause any trouble or attack him or anything. He's just there to talk man-to-man, eye-to-eye, he says, look, last week after me and Solo crushed you, you said something about me being lucky. And he says, yeah, you are lucky. You don't deserve the title. You don't hold it. You don't rock it the way I did. And you're, you're sure as hell not an A champion. And Cameron Grimes has a nice one for eyes back where he's like, well, you used to be A champion. Oh, got him. Um, and he says, like, maybe you might not think I'm that. I'm sure Escobar used that line as well. Mm. Yeah, it's an easy, it's an open goal that they just use every time, basically. Um, Grimes says, well, maybe you think I don't deserve it, but I have earned it. And I've seen this new guy knocking around, Nathan Fraser. People are saying he's like you, but better. So uh, I'll be facing him next week. I'm really excited for Carmelo Hayes versus Cameron Grimes, and not just because I love Cameron Grimes. Preview. I, I think in terms of this, I think they've done it again. They've kind of made a bit of a heel out of Cameron Grimes. Thought he came across like a bit of a dick here. I've got no interest I didn't in this think match that. at all. I'm biased, but I didn't think that. I thought he came across as like, yeah, I look, I know we, we've got, you know, he's he's very much got to play the role of like, because they're all Carmelo's a bit more of a heel, obviously, but they're all sort of jockeying for position with this title. And like down in the gutter, man, Hayes and Williams are dying in this thing. I think, like, I just think they're. It's so it couldn't feel more mid card, and the whole point of Carmelo Hayes and having like Trick Williams as his hype guy when he was the champion, was that a champion narrative, that idea that, yes, it's a mid-card title, but he's elevating it. Like, an NXT 2.0 guy is actually elevating the status of a belt. And if anything, now he feels trapped in one of these circular feuds that's going to end with somebody saying, I want to bring back the North American championship of old, like Adam Cole and Mr. Perfect and Shawn Michaels. Like, I, ju- I just feel like all of them are like wading through treacle a little bit at the moment. I'm not. Like, the match will be good. Of course it will be. It's one of the... Might it be the match of the night, probably. Probably. It's one of the better combinations they can offer. I was probably a bit harsh on that tag match and with Solo Sokoa and stuff. And that's no, not... No, you would. It's not, bad. <laughs> it's not a bad follow-on either. I just... I don't think he's doing anything for Carmelo Hayes, especially. He's going to lose and then he's going to fight for the world title. I, you lose upwards into a defeat against Brombrick. It's not exactly this yes. awesome rocket strap trajectory, is it? What do you think? Do you think uh, Grimes came across as a heel here? Um... He can get away with doing it, I guess, because that's part of his charm. He's one of those, one of the real recent potent examples in WWE of a heel who was so irresistible as a heel that he just had to turn face. The issue is when he acts a little bit heelish, he's not as irresistible as he used to be. Mm. WWE just can't put baby faces. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brombreaker's heading to the ring, and Joe Gacy's there with his druids, and he says, it's working, we're getting to him, uh, and we're going to make sure... That happens in the main event, basically. Before we get to the main event, though, there's a vignette, uh, all in Italian, uh, showcasing... Um, How are you going to handle this one? I'm just going to read read it in okay. my voice, because there's some places I just I just think, yeah, even I can't get away with that. Uh, You're not going to go to that place? He's in that orgasmic trend. That's what people do on NXT. Um, it's all in Italian, and there's shots of Venice, and, and Rome, and Milan, and Makes me want to go on holiday. <laughs> uh, and they talk about how time is the most valuable currency in life. Live, Why not live it in the fast lane? And style is a way to speak without saying a word. And fashion is a representation of who you are. Dreams are for dreamers. Goals are for achievers. 
Veni, Vidi, Vici. Giovanni Vinci is coming soon. Please tell me this isn't Fabian Eichner. I don't think so. I think the tone of voice and the brief glimpses you've got of that person means it's someone brand new and green, which, honestly, this promotion needs very few more of. What do you reckon was in the box? We talked about the yesterday that you had to have a box and you'd open it up and it's got, if you're Jade, a skateboard or whatever it may be. What was in Giovanni Vinci's box? Madden. <laughs> like just a suit, an Armani suit. Yeah. Can they? What's a, like a fashion-themed plunder gimmick that can be used? Or in the case of most weapons in WWE, not used because you can't have a fire bat or a sword. He's gonna have like a really fancy watch that he slides up and uses as like a brass knuckles thing. Oh, you have the watch. You have yeah. a very. What if he has watch. the watch and he uses it to bounce the light off it into his opponent's eyes? That as well. That as Finally, well. somebody making use of the NXT 2.0. Exactly. Yeah. I would love it if it was Aikner, just for Schadenfreude purposes. Like we've watched him for about three years, four years, including NXT. Like, years, and he's just like a modern lad. It's one thing to do it like on the main roster, but like this guy's just got a completely different backstory on the same show that you're watching. It's funny to think about, like, because Vince McMahon is so detached from any of this. I don't think it's him. Like, you know, like Gunther and Kaiser on SmackDown, like, now that they're kind of, like, wacky circus versions themselves, like, hey, I like the like the look of, uh, what's his name? Vinci Giovanni. Giovanni Vinci. Giovanni, Giovanni Vinci. Like, Giovanni Vinci. Like, I told you to do it. Giovanni Vinci. He's saying his name. Giovanni Vinci. Vince thinks he's had this brilliant idea. We need to put Giovanni Vinci. Gunther and Kaiser on SmackDown, <laughs> and they can like start wearing suits, like maybe like really glossy velour track suits. And he accidentally rebuilt Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea. First of all, he has a valet called Ciao Bella, uh, and also um, what was it? Was it the Great American Bash where they just went to put a sticker on? Like yeah. they had the old uh, Great American Bash, and they just yes, put an NXT yeah. sticker on it. But <laughs> just to have the Imperium thing, and it just says the watch is sacred. Is it <laughs> there you go. But it does mean we can bring back This Is Your Thing next week. This, this is your thing. Not for Giovanni Vinci, um, but if they're allowed to bring... The moment they bring back or bring in a new character, next week we get to pitch another yeah. one because they're like bloody buses in NXT DBO. Right, main event. driver. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Remember that for next week. Uh, right, that, next stop, Pound Town. Um, <laughs> from Breaker <laughs> versus Duke Hudson. Oh my God. Main oh. event time. Um, I'm getting hungry. And uh, Gacy and his druids are up in the eagle's nest watching over this. And Braun Breaker looks a little bit confused, angered, annoyed by all this. Distracted, basically. Uh, that allows Hudson to take an advantage early on. Breaker bites back, though. Do I love a delayed suplex or a delayed suplex into a backbreaker or whatever it may be. It's just simple stuff sometimes for me. Um Hudson gets out of the ring, um, but uh, he manages to hit Breaker with a cheap shot because Breaker keeps looking over his shoulder, keeps glancing over at Gacy and the Druids. Um, there's a double down to take us to a break, um, and during that time, Gacy decides eh, it's time to get a little bit of a closer look at all this, and him and the Druids head down to ringside. And in the midst of all this, Breaker's up on the top turnbuckle fighting with, uh, fighting with uh, Duke Hudson. Their arrival at ringside distracts him. Duke Hudson... Pushes him off the top turnbuckle, and I don't know how he even prepares off of this bump. He just landed on the top rope, like sideways, basically, and bounced. It looked like because they're made of cable, aren't they? Yeah, they're not. I know rock rope's not exactly soft, but it's not cable wrapped his in back tape. on the thing on the way down as well. Look so the, the landing the didn't look super controlled. So it's like you've just taken one on the front on the ropes, on the back on the apron, and now you've hit the floor. Like it was, it look, did look. I don't on know the how ropes. 
I don't know like how much of that was. You know, we should give him credit for like it looking cool, or if it was just he lost control. Yeah, it looked like he knocked. Uh, so Hudson sends Breaker into the steps as a result of this, and Gacy just smirks on. And uh, Hudson goes to put him in the Steiner recliner, but Breaker powers out of it, um, comes back with a Rick Steiner-esque power slam, pulls down the straps on his singlet, and this is the uh, sign for the Druids to come and get involved. They go to attack Breaker. I've no idea what the referee's doing whilst all this is going on. Breaker fights him off, gets back into the ring. Hudson suddenly got a chair from somewhere. I've no idea if Joe Gacy slid that in or what. Regardless, Duke's going for him for the chair, but Breaker takes it off him, and uh, the Druids come back into the ring, and he chucks them out, and uh, Gacy jumps up on the apron, and Breaker swings the chair at him, and Gacy ducks it, and Breaker uh, gets turned around by Hudson and just out of instinct, swings the chair, twats him with it, knocks him down. The referee calls for the bell. My Brom- next week, guys. Brom Breaker <sighs> loses via disqualification, and Gacy just smirks at ringside because he knows if that happens in the title fight, that championship's going to change hands. And uh, he said something like, you see, Bran, this is in your nature. What did you make of this explosive end to the show, Sid? It's so funny. It's so funny. Look, the match itself, I'm really brief because I'm very hungry at this point. This is really warrant that much analysis. It's absolute drivel. <laughs> the match itself, right, again, it just exposes the fatal flaw in all of this. When they do the bits that they can do, like, he's an athlete at his core. A great one is Breaker. So when he's exploding into things, he's good. When they're doing transition spots, it's the most treacle, slow, fake mechanical nonsense. He's got so, a great counter game. No, you just, just plow through people. I know, <laughs> I know. When he does slow transitions, it's just so glaring that they are just mechanically going through the motions of a wrestling match with no emotion or struggle or excitement or build or anything. So it was a very slow, fast, slow, dull, fast, cool, slow, dull, fast, cool, all over the goddamn place kind of match. <laughs> And then the finish was exactly the finish you'd expect because they're trying to tell you that Bron Breaker, sorry, that Joe Gacy's living in Bron Breaker's head rent and free. free. And I, it's so bad. And Bron Breaker, it's like embarrassing at this point. This is why I approach WWE shows with blanket cynicism. I was told Bron Breakers can't miss, right? Screw everybody up. Cody Rhodes just had the worst match he's had in his career <laughs> on Monday. The second televised match against The Miz, building up to the third pay-per-view match with Seth Rollins via the second consecutive DQ finish? Maybe, yeah. He's had two. He's had Austin two. Theory yeah. And, yeah, The Miz. So the Cody's normal. Braun Breaker's ruined. Use at 11. Like, it's just the worst <laughs> company of all time. What did you make of Bron Breaker being driven to his breaking point? <laughs> What's so funny? I like the story that he told. <laughs> no, right. So I got the story that he told, I should say, not you, liked. You're saying like you don't know where the referee was, right? What they were trying to do here, because I, I like looking for the order of this to see if it logically hangs together. And this one does, strictly in terms of the referee's decision making. They, if you watch this back, you never will. But if you were to watch this back, or for anyone listening that hasn't yet watched this and intends to, Bron, like, the Druids approach him and Braun swings on the floor and, like, starts fighting with them first, right? So that in wrestling rules, theoretically, that's not a DQ because it's Braun attacking them, right? Then they get in the ring, 
and now there's a chair involved. And the same thing pretty much happens again. It's Bron attacking them. So hypothetically, if a druid lays a hand on Bron Breaker, then it's a DQ and it's over. But it's always him getting to them first. But it certainly looks like they're about to attack him. Yes. They've absolutely swung. They've just missed. So like it's Bron getting them, and it's like, but look, he ducked. Otherwise, they would have got him. And then Bron would have won by disqualification. So him swinging around with the intent to hit a druid with a chair and instead hitting Geo Hudson. It's not him getting overwhelmed by mind games. It's him getting angry that he's been getting beaten up for the past two and a half minutes <laughs> just because it ha- they've missed, right? Like, if one of them lands one punch, that's not Joe Gacy's mind games. That's like, well, you've gone and got him bloody disqualification win. Yeah. yeah. Nice one, druids. Like, that's not mind games. They're just fighting him. Yeah. It's like, really got in his head how? We beat him up. It's like, <laughs> this, this is a wrestling show. <laughs> that's like, that's <laughs> part of the course. Like... They've attempted that story beat in there. Like, ultimately, for the mind games thing to work, there has to be no druids and no Joe Gacy. It's that he goes out there, and as much as he desperately wants to concentrate, he's, we're back to, we're back to Shawn Michaels. He's actually looking at his hands and thinking, why am I so violent? That's the mind games. They're rubbish ones. It's not a good game. It's not Mousetrap or Scrabble, but it's like the, the game's all the same. It's just him going like, oh, God, I, I just want to wrestle and I can't. Mm. Just, Transitioning from one fight to another fight, we've got in your head, Braun. No, you haven't. Fight the exact same way you fought him last time he challenged for the yeah. title on a premium live event. You'll win. See, like when you were talking about as well, Cedric, the, the Red Druids, you think they're um, the Grizzly Young Vets. Yeah. But just, is that in like a, we need warm bodies to wear Druid clothes, or it's, you think it's going to be revealed that they're his Druids? I think it's going to be revealed. Like a new yeah. gimmick for that. Yeah, because they've, they've abandoned their own yeah. old names, so you knew they were going to do something new. That's funny, that. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for yeah. Zach Gibson to have to like put over the fact that he's uh, I'm a druid now. As long as they give him a mic, I don't care. <laughs> How though? Please. What, what's he gonna do? We did spooky scout stuff on the preview. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Spooky, spooky scouser. Yeah, spooky scouser. Lens free. We're living in your head. Yeah. <laughs> what, how's he going to draw from break uh, a disqualification at, in your house? Is he gonna like just go into the ring and go, oh, picture of Rick? Yep. Like Photoshop to make him look dead. What do you do? Check his privilege. Put, him, put him back in a cage. Do, do you put him like a picture of him, like the high res glossy from www.com printed out in? He was never there. <laughs> guys were overthinking this. Christian had the right thing. Goz in someone's face. Yeah. That's how you get a DQ, baby. Yeah, but it's that's good. This yeah. is bad. And I've, I get Tony on commentary so we can say anyway, he's the loogie. This is preview stuff. How will he get disqualified? Yes, the go home show going next week. To be the get. Ah, so we've got another week to go house. Got, it goes on, it's on the Saturday. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It's in your house is the Saturday, baby. Oh, we don't have to it's, like, it's like Takeover and. Uh, and yeah, yeah it's, it's like Takeover. It's like, it's like t- in your house in hell in a cell. It's like a Takeover weekend. Uh, WWE's in town. And I'm tickets. pleased to announce, by the way, um, that the Dadleys will be doing a live stream for that on the Saturday. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up, man. Not a chance. Can't get, can't get off of in. For uh, for AW shows, I think we're gonna get get them in for uh, for quite for this. <laughs> Why's that Saturday the fifth, isn't it? My calendar's free, baby. I'm watching Block Party in Leeds. There's not a million years I'm gonna watch this show live. <laughs> not a chance. We'll, we'll, we'll Have re- you just had a weekend away. Oh, yeah. How do you afford it? You were dead. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, yes, but I, I look. I I don't pick when my terrible team get to Wembley or when my favourite bands pick shows. I can't like. I can't pick these things. I just have to do nothing. Go to Wembley, watch the League One playoff final. I just have to do nothing for weeks. I was the best man. Nothing for weeks. Got off rant about how football's broken on YouTube, have you? (laughs) (laughs) Football football came home and it's left again now. Well, it came home for the weekend. And last night. Follow me, Adam Citric. I'm starving. 
Uh, at Michael Hunter. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Let us know your thoughts on everything at What Culture WWE on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we'll be back later on today to preview AW Dynamite. And uh, if you subscribe, our preview of next week and as we look ahead to In Your House will be in your feed uh, as soon as it is released. But for now, this has been the NXT 2.0 review. My thanks to the Dally Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.